0: Silas, Fred, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. It's good to be here again. What's new in your life, Silas? Ooh,
1: new. That's that's tough. Um, I don't know necessarily new. I think just goals that I've been working on for a while that next maybe change a little bit. Not necessarily new goals, but they just. The application of the goal maybe shifts slightly. Um, I think since FeP, especially just refocusing in on certain work that needs to get done, needs to get caught up on, and and stuff like that, and then in my personal life, looking at looking at grappling and stuff like that, and the goals that I set for myself, and um, how to move forward and get better even when one of the guys that I trained with primarily out here, Jordan Hicks, moved back to the States. Um, so it's just been interesting. I've gone through a few different injuries as well. Uh, dislocated some ribs. So I've been trying to, been trying to train a lot and then been set back in a few different areas when it came down to injury. So. So what are your goals? And let's start
0: with, Jitsu or personal goals
1: sure so for grappling I was trying to compete like three or four times this year Mm -hmm. um and I think by the time uh maybe 2026 maybe be looking at a at a brown belt and then by like 2030 black belt would be cool I don't know if I like just break that down a little bit so you think it'll be that long for? Oh, I hope so. hope
2: so. What do you mean? Definitely. I'm not like savvy on that world. So
1: why that long? Well, because the mat never lies. So it's like, if you get promoted too fast, it's mm-hmm. way worse than getting promoted way too slow. Cause like it if you, it. if you walk in, if you walk into a gym and you're wearing a brown belt and you're getting smoked by their blue belts, like that sucks that sucks way worse than being a 10-year white belt okay shame (laughs) like just that would be
2: really uh, uncomfortable but does that happen do you see people being promoted or given a belt because i i thought in that community it's it's different kind of like how everyone views the marine corps or whatever it's like oh you're
1: this you're that like nothing's going to be handed to you you earned it type deal yeah, the, the problem that you run into is that standards for a belt level change. Mm. So some gyms are extremely competitive. Some gyms just want you to have trained a certain amount of time. Some of them, you know, have different criteria. Um, so it just, it really depends. Mm. But there are there are schools that you look at or coaches that will have purple belts that are just murdering black belts uh, okay. across the board. And those you can be like, oh, okay, you know they they hold their students to a different standard or they hold them back, but there are less competitive gyms that are still pretty strict, and then other ones that are far less strict. And you just don't want to be the guy that gets promoted really fast and then just getting smoked by uh, lower belts. It's just hard to deal with. For, for I mean, like for yourself or as for your school, I think both. It's it's tough across the board because if you go to a new gym and you're wearing, you know, a belt that they would not have given you yeah. and they hold that belt to a different standard, there will always be a large amount of tension there, like between you and them. Mm. It's a ridiculous question, but I'm way
0: too new at this. What, you They or you lower your belt standard? If you went to a new school for, you know, you transfer and you have another three years somewhere and you, someone, not yourself, but someone was promoted too quickly. Like how would that work being in a new school?
1: I mean, I guess different schools would handle it different ways. I've heard of coaches like demoting people, but I also know a lot of people that are like, Hey, don't let someone, you know, demote you when Mm -hmm. somebody's given it to you, just keep it. Right. But it's like, If you want to train at certain schools and then the coach is like, hey, you're not a purple belt. You're a blue belt here. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? Either not train there or be like, okay, I'll wear a blue belt. Um, How long have you been a purple belt? I got my purple belt in June of 21, right before I moved to Japan in August. Okay. So that was actually a little bit stressful for me. I was worried coming out here. I was like, man, I hope I don't get there and just get smoked by their, you know, by their purple or blue belts and then be like. But you pre yourself, I assumed. Yeah. So once I got out here, I think Japan in general has a far heavier judo background so there was a lot of guys that are really good with um judo throws taking top position their posture is amazing their grip is fantastic but they weren't necessarily ready for certain aspects of guard and i was able to use utilize that to, to my advantage here um i've done i've done just fine i've not felt out of place here at all
2: you said you have an injury so with that injury have you just like in school, I guess, have you diminished in skill set or I'm thinking because in jujitsu, you, I'm pretty sure just like swimming, you're using your whole entire body. So an injury in any location could affect you majorly And that's for That's just outside looking in. I don't know that much, but.
1: Yeah. Right now I'm just not grappling at. <laughs> I, I dislocated at least one rib mm-hmm. um, and I'll take probably another two weeks off
2: oh yeah so the two-week portion you said that you're going to be starting back up in two weeks
1: yeah I think about that um I mostly just go off of what feels right and when I first start training again I probably won't go like super hard or for a bunch of rounds I'll probably take like maybe three or four rounds and just roll with you know fairly relatively easy um and then just build my way back into harder grappling do they sorry i have so many questions do they um
2: no i mean this is what this is for <laughs> i have questions too do they do it like uh like how we do nlw go 70% go 60% so can you tell your opponent hey previous injury here take it easy
1: hmm you probably could with certain with certain people i never would so I control in grappling what I can control. So I'll control my opponent to the best of my capability, and I control myself. So if I have an injury, I don't want my training partner to start grappling, you know, in a weird way. Because then if I need them to do that, I just shouldn't train yet. Um, So I want them to grapple like they would normally would. And if I need to tap, I will, even if it's not something that I would normally tap to. So if I start training and someone puts really good side control pressure and my ribs are hurt and I need to tap to that, I will, no problem. But I don't want them to not utilize side control the way they would normally utilize it and start hampering their training and also realistic grappling looks. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would just not train for longer if I, if I needed to do that.
0: I... I have recently started training jujitsu, but then I've also been dealing with an injury, so I'm unable to train. And it's... Every day that I'm not training, I feel like I'm just letting the people that were... I'm going to be chasing people that came in way after Mm -hmm. me. I see them doing better. Every time, going to every class and it's just sure i'm gonna go back to being the new guy and it sucks but at
2: least you're going though or will you have the the mindset to continue because some people they
0: even they would stop and this would end for them yeah. yeah i mean i i love everything about jujitsu i uh you guys know ryan mm-hmm. and ryan badgered me into going to jiu- jujitsu jiu- Like, he beat me up on every time I was on duty and I saw him. Every excuse, like, you know, I'm I'm coming off a 24-hour shift. And he's like, and? Like, (laughs) I've been up, I get done with this, and I'm here. And I finally ran out of excuses, and he's like, I'll take you. Just jump in the van. And something came up and I didn't go, and then he finally was... The next time, it was, get in the van. Let's go. Mm. And I had no excuses left. And I, I attended, and I immediately fell in love with jujitsu. I think it's interesting because many, many influential people talk about jujitsu, and especially, I feel like in the podcast format, a lot of the really popular people talk about jiu-jitsu and I'm I'm into those kind of things but never actually go Mm -hmm. which it's and at 18 years of could have attended I've been in Japan for 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 a very long time and then having been in Guam which also has a huge jiu-jitsu presence and that's one of my few regrets is not having taken that step. And I train at least three, if not four days a week, wanting to be able to attend the the competition in February. And now I'm not gonna be able to to attend and these people that started way before before me are going to. It's 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 rather disheartening. I, I'm i at nowhere near your level, Silas, but wanting to compete, especially in Japan, and this is probably going to be my last opportunity to compete in Japan, unless there's another, another competition before August. Has competing in Japan made you more passionate about jiu-jitsu? not changed it at all is it it's still at the same
1: level um i think competing in general is extremely healthy for me with my relationship to jujitsu as a grappling art just because you get an extremely realistic gauge of where you're at whereas i think sometimes when you train with your training partners in the gym even if you go pretty hard you get very familiar with those people. You get very familiar with a lot of their movesets and attacks and their defenses. And when you go and you grapple somebody that's just totally brand new and it's, you know, winner takes all. You've got, you know, seven minutes. They're going to go as hard as they possibly can. You see what you can actually do against a fully resistant opponent. Um, so I think competing in general has greatly like, enhanced my jiu-jitsu journey. But I don't see much difference in competing in Japan, competing in the U.S. I've competed in Guam. Um, to me, it's pretty much all the same. The opponent's style changes. You'll run into a lot more wrestlers in the U.S. You'll run into a lot more judo players out here, judokas as they would call them. But What, um, what is that? Judokas. That's what judo players are called judokas judokas yeah that's a, that's a judo student um so you'll run into judo black belts even if you're competing you know at, at white or blue belt out here and that i think is different but once once you get used to their style i think you can exploit it in certain ways as well so
0: has the competing against judokas like black belts done or changed how you compete or is it more difficult to
1: go against them um i think that they do certain things extraordinarily well and then there's other things that they leave themselves vulnerable to just because of their style um, their posture is much, much harder to break, I think, than people who have not done judo before. They have a very upright posture, and they're very good at not allowing their posture to get broken. I think that exposes them to a lot of back takes if you, if you choose to play guard position. I think that they do not defend their back well at all and will oftentimes even intentionally give it up because in judo competition the ref would stand them up if um, if the action were to stall, even for a very short amount of time. So in my experience of grappling against um, judokas, I have a lot of success, but I already was primarily a guard player. So I didn't need to be able to, to take top position. I think they're much better they're much better suited for not giving up bottom position. But if you don't mind playing bottom position, then they leave themselves exposed to a lot of different attacks um, in general. Some of them are, are, are not that way, but. Like rever- reverting back to their
0: judo roots gives up, makes them
1: unintentionally give up their back. Exactly. Uh, one coach that I trained with one time was like, the first thing you learn is the hardest thing to forget. And I think that really implies there. The first rule set that they learned under is always going to be, I think, at the forefront of their mind. That That's unbelievably
0: deep yeah. in, in so many different ways. The first thing that you learn. It can apply to so many things. Yeah. But I understand where you're, you're coming from with that.
2: I have a question. Have you, both of you actually, have you all ever thought about going into MMA? I have not Personally. Because isn't that... Most people, they start with one, and then, for example, traveling, then they add more to their tool belt, as we like to say, and then they just
0: combine it so you can be a mixed martial arts fighter. Before somebody with a great amount of experience comments on that, just for myself, uh, I... Love everything about jujitsu, as I already said. It's more of like just the mindset. Mm-hmm. I, I already for, for my profession deal with the mental chessboard and setting up pieces and putting them in certain places to get the result that, you know, that we're trying to, to obtain, you know, but that's all through words and having that thought process and applying it in the physical world i find really really intriguing but there's no way around it like i'm i am older and i recover more slowly Mm -hmm. so me personally though i think it's very interesting the thought of doing mma i also find it very concerning for like my own physical well-being just for how it i i recover from Okay, from, from jujitsu fights, and I really do want to hear Silas's opinion on it. But there was a a person here, Jordan. He just left that trained jujitsu. He's a, he just got his purple belt in jujitsu, and also trained MMA. And though that type of fighting thing, you, you're very aggressive in the experiences I've had so far. Uh, and I've almost seen him one way or the other in my opinion kind of revert to kind of you see him stop himself from doing things he might do in MMA in my opinion Silas
1: uh for me personally, I I have never thought about doing MMA. To the extent of i wouldn't want to like i've, I've thought oh i could do that mm-hmm. um again i didn't start training until i was 22 and i'm 30 now and have always had a full-time job i need to be able to go do um and it's just what is the the risk-to-reward factor when you start throwing punches and kicks and and knees and elbows and you know what do you plan to gain from it what do you want from it uh grappling you can get injured obviously like we've already covered but you're not as likely to show up three days a week with a black eye or you know limping because you took a hard leg kick or something like that um so i guess it depends on the person but for me i don't i don't need to um I, I get. I just wonder if that ever crossed
2: your minds, both of you, like, I want to do it now, or I just want to do it without, or um, before, I regret it later on, just wondering,
0: hey, what would it have been like, I think I could have done this, I think I could have done that? That's definitely how I feel about jujitsu. Mm-hmm. But having been in many a fight for my job, I find it always ends up on the ground. Not that there's not sure. not benefits to MMA, but I having practiced the short amount of jujitsu that I have, feel unbelievably fortunate to have never gotten into any sort of scuffle with someone who knew what they were doing because jujitsu is an eye opening experience and I, I, I do want Silas to jump in here, but from from my perspective, the first time I went to jujitsu, like finding out that shaking someone's hand can end in you, you know, not waking up or waking up having lost, just mm-hmm. letting them be that close.
1: Yeah, I I definitely don't think I view life in a oh, I'm going to regret this type of way. Even, you know, like I said, I didn't start just to wonder if when I was six years old or five years old, like some people or some people are born into families, you know, that that's what they do. They train jujitsu and then they grow up and they teach jujitsu and that's their life. You could sit there and be like, oh, I wish I was that. I'm just grateful for when I did learn jujitsu, yeah. when somebody did introduce me to it. And then, you know, my own journey in that process of falling in love with it and then sticking it out and training for about eight years now um i'm just grateful for that so i don't think i'll ever regret not doing mma just because what's there to regret um it's hard to prove a negative and i don't think i'll ever care i love your way of thinking
0: have you ever thought of doing mma
2: Mm no. Uh I know we were talking about goals in the beginning. Um when it comes to the physicality part of life, like I think the closest I ever ventured into that that area would just be weightlifting. But um there's a quote by Socrates um I'll look it up in a second. I have it saved in my notes, but Uh, when it comes to like actually fighting, like, nah, I, I know when it comes to just normal fights or grappling contact with someone, I try to like stray myself away from it that I never even fancied or thought of the idea of like, Hey, I might like jujitsu. I may like, uh, even kendo something when you're utilizing a weapon, like I never like thought of any of that so maybe it could be a newfound love um because hearing both of your stories it was introduced and then Ryan just bringing you in well into my 30s yeah uh you never know because until you're put it through tests or you just introduce something in life because you like yeah we we venture out and say like oh I want to do this I want to do that but you could find like a newfound love or for sport or for for anything for that matter but it's never it would it never cross my mind but I'm not
0: gonna say I'm never gonna do it though I would definitely encourage you to try especially being in the land of martial arts
2: one thing hearing everyone talking about it like throughout um where we are i'm actually surprised that it's i know it's worldwide but it's literally everywhere i don't know if it's just catching the world by storm as of lately but you can go to timbuktu or whatever there's probably going to be some local club or an or an official gym that has it going on in that area and like you said even well well known podcasters they're they're talking about it it's just something that grounds you so yes i i am interested now that i can now that I think about it because I can see how everyone is just changes their um their mindset w- with their their uh what is the proper word their how they just view things how they handle things um think uh thinking th- problems through like like a match, because I assume like throughout a match, you you you're, you have to think a couple steps ahead. Or are you, I don't know, are you just very reactive to everything? Or are you thinking like, I'm going to try to get them to this position so I can utilize this? Because I hear Cortland talking all the time, like, I want to try this new move. And whenever he does this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Or is it a reactive sport? Like you have to have everything in your arsenal and... You're like, all right, if he does, th- or in the midst of it, when someone does something, you're like, all right, you're going to do
1: this. Well, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. Well, I'm going to do that. I don't know. Maybe y'all can elaborate. I think the the thing that makes jujitsu beautiful is it's both. Mm. It is both offensive and defensive at the exact same time. Because at the exact same time, you're attempting to implement your will over the match. Your opponent is doing the exact same thing, and that's what makes it extraordinary. Is that you are both attempting to achieve goals, mm-hmm. and you are both attempting to keep the other from achieving those goals at the exact same time. So I can't be fully offensive, or you're going to easily implement your goals if you put up even 10% defense. Sounds like physical chess. Uh, it, it It is. Like, that's the draw for it for me. So... I don't know if that fully answers your question, but it's both offensive and defensive. You're both acting and reacting. And the amount that you have to react is greatly dependent on your skill level compared to your opponent. Mm -hmm. Um, If I go grapple with a brand new grappler, I may not have to react. It's after their first movement or two movements. And after that, they will have no choice of what happens from that point on. But if I go against you know, the instructor here, a black belt that's extremely good i will spend most of the match reacting if not the entire match um and that's that's just the way it is okay
0: do, do you mind me putting you on the spot but uh, you you recently i believe at rob's house described how jujitsu influences your life decisions how you, it takes your energy, how it grounds you, how it influences your life. Obviously, it's not, I don't know if you remember that conversation, but if you could elaborate on how
1: it does influence your life, I would appreciate it. Definitely. I think it, it makes me better at every single aspect of life. Like, I don't think, I can't think of a single aspect of my life that, Grappling in general, and the outlook of grappling does not make better. Um, I am a better professional, a better human being, um, better in everything that I enjoy doing in my personal life. It just it it makes you far more capable of making risk decisions that are well thought out and also makes you far more comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So, I think the first time you learn like a trap and roll series from Mount, if you've ever been just held down by your older brother or something and you're like, wait, there was a very easy, simple solution to escape that I just had no idea about. That would have made my life so much better you realize that that's probably true in most, most areas of life. So when you run into a problem, instead of being like, Oh, I'm in a really bad spot, you're like, Hey, what's the way forward? What is a strategy to move to a better spot? And that mindset, the almost mental freedom to problem solve in your actual real world life is most of what I love jujitsu for because I think like most people that end up training, I started training and, and then really wanted to get to a level where I could feel confident defending myself, um, with our job, as you've already said, I've been hands-on with, with plenty of people. And when I first started training, it would have been, if we were equal size, equal strength, then it would have been 50, 50. I would have had, you know, the same chance as my opponent at winning that, that match. By the time I got my blue belt, I don't believe that's true anymore. Um, So from that point on, my reasoning for training completely shifted to where I no longer really needed to be able to defend myself from a normal person that never trained. At that point, I trained for like what we're talking about. It just makes me a better human being.
0: when you talk about it, it makes so much sense. You're very eloquent in the way you describe it. But it it, it does apply for, for my life, even though I've only been doing jujitsu for, for months, not years. The first time that, uh, I'm just going to go back to just being in that initial, like when you were a little kid and the, things that you wish you knew that would work the first time you roll with somebody and they just go in slaying with 100% energy, 100% effort, and not knowing that the other person's doing the same thing or thinking the same thing they are, as you described it, that you're constantly in offense and defense, dropping their head and trying to tackle you has been so far again not even a year but the run in and try to low tackle you and they just stick their head right where your arm is and then and then it's over and it's you're just not thinking you know you have this uh, I, I don't say you but people in my experience have a it's just gonna work out how it did, how it is in my head. I'm just automatically gonna win. You don't go into a situation thinking you're gonna lose until you've had the experience of losing and knowing that being humbled. Being humbled, and you know, respect is not given. It's it's something that's earned, and knowing that that person knows something more than you and wanting to learn from them. I. I it's one of the really big takeaways for me from from jitsu It's like, all I want to do is learn and get better. And then if I ever have to put it into practice, you you know very quickly if that person knows anything. Hmm. Immediately tiring themselves out. Or putting themselves at a disadvantage. And I never knew what a physical disadvantage was in the way
1: that i do now definitely um i think that it's just threat recognition you're talking about somebody that just blindly attacks you and they have no idea how to recognize a threat um it's not that they intentionally put themselves in a in a losing situation they just do not realize the the danger that they're putting themselves into right and i think that is even when you have a a really good wrestler when they first walk onto a jiu-jitsu match they just don't recognize all of the threats because certain holds certain locks um positions are illegal in wrestling so you give them six months and they're going to be taking out you know white and blue belts fairly easily but that first day on the mat they still don't recognize a triangle choke or they still don't recognize the back take when when they're on top and in their mind, they're winning. They may have pinned their opponent and all of their grappling match experience up to that point. That's where the match ends. And in jujitsu, when one person has established top position, and that's mostly where their matches begin with one person on top, one yeah. person on bottom, and just learning to develop that risk analysis and threat recognition, and you take a wrestler and they become extraordinarily good very quickly. But those first few days, they still don't know. So you're going to have people that are far worse grapplers than them submitting them if they just recognize those opportunities.
0: Hmm, once again, extremely deep.
2: I feel like when it comes to street fights, that's what people are doing all the time. Like they're just running in, just charging. Mm And they're like, oh. Like I in their mind there's like, I just wanna hit you. I just wanna hit you. If you just st- keep your calm, you stay back a little bit, you know you have your defenses up, and then the other your opponent is just gonna be tired and you're like, Oh, so you really don't know how to fight. Okay, you just wanted to hit me, and then you can utilize all your training. That's how I use it here with this job. Cause everyone is just going in blindly and they Just want to land a hit.
0: My clues don't work, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Just get their emotions out and then have no repercussions because that's the life that we live in right now. Mm -hmm. And you find out when things go a certain type of way that it's just not that way. It's not Call of Duty. It's not a movie with 20-minute fight scenes. It's that moment. I, I know we didn't come into this like wanting to talk about jujitsu, but I I feel like it's definitely a wonderful topic and I'd love to explore it more. I definitely would love to have uh, Mark on as well and just kind of get his take on being in Japan for so long as foreigner and teaching and practicing jiu Have you ever... I had to utilize jujitsu in your real life
1: off the mat? Um that is almost impossible to <laughs> accurately define. Um, I think the way that you carry yourself, communicate your confidence, and then initial contact keep you from having to fight once you get to a certain point um so no i've never been into an actual just knock them out drag out fight since i started training Mm -hmm. but i've been in multiple situations where me or somebody else did put our put our hands on each other but it was like just over immediately um and not in a oh i choked them out type of way but just you you put your hand on their arm or, and they realize that this is not going to go well for them. Um, even since I got here, I had somebody at flag football, uh, offer to break my neck. I think it was, um, but a verbal confrontation, as soon as it started to get even a little bit physical, what was immediately handled, I think one, because you're able to communicate in a much more calm manner, if you're not overly worried about the risk that they do pose. And two, as soon as they touch you, they realize that they can't move you the way they thought they would be able to. So somebody will try to shove you really hard, but it's just totally different. If someone doesn't understand how to transfer kinetic energy very well, then you can really easily absorb the amount of energy that they do try to transfer, and they're not used to that at all.
2: What about the the whole materialistic side of it? Like having a certain uh rank when it comes to or the a belt color. Has has someone ever like to like, oh, you're a purple belt. Let's test it out. Let's go to the mats.
1: Hmm. Um
2: I don't know. I just watch movies and I see that I
1: don't, all the time. I don't think in a in a malicious way. Okay. I think wrestlers a lot, like I've even had a wrestler here that You just don't know what you don't know, and they don't believe that you can tap them out. So it's like they might have, you know, eight years of wrestling experience through through school. And the guy that I'm talking about, he works out at MBU7. He's maybe 230 pounds, so he's got 45, 50 pounds on me. And he did not believe that i'd be able to to grapple him but it wasn't malicious he was just like i'll come kick your ass you know what i mean uh jokingly and then he came on the mat and you know we grappled and he kicked his ass what what, what, what happened <laughs> is in uh what happens on the mat stays on the mat but yeah, i think it opened his eyes to again threat awareness like you just don't understand because it's not that he was a bad grappler yeah you give him six months, and I may not be able to tap him out anymore. Is but, he a student now? No, not that I know of, no. Okay.
0: In the infamous words of Silas, you don't have what it takes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would say we grappled for probably five or six minutes, and he probably tapped out seven or eight times. Um, I don't think people realize how long five or six minutes is. And that was part of it. He kept wanting to try again, but he also started getting very. He got Because he hadn't grappled since high school wrestling, which was. I think three years for him, he was about 21 at the time. Um, and he had gained, gained some weight and yeah. not grappling for three years is very different than where I was at at the time. I was training quite a bit. Not as nimble as he thought it would be. And we also trained under submission grappling rules, which is the only rule that I've ever grappled under. And I've been grappling for about the same amount of time that he had at that point, and was grappling consistently up to the time that we had our match again. He would be a very good grappler, even very good jujitsu player, if he learned how to avoid submissions and apply submissions of his own. And, you know, some of the basics of not getting your back taken or, or not getting caught in triangle chokes.
2: You said player. Is that what y'all call it? Are you a fighter?
0: I or are you I just learned about the names for this. Please go ahead. Is it
1: player? Are you a fighter? Or are you a? I don't fight. Practitioner? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think all of those are are fine. Like mm-hmm. I've heard certain people when they're going into competition, being like, "Oh, I've got a fight coming up," but I don't. I don't fight. It's not a fight. A grappling match to me is not a fight. If somebody's not trying to punch me in the face, then I'm not fighting them. I'm just <laughs> trying to go see where I'm at in a grappling match see right. where my skill set development needs work and where where it's doing well okay but there's not a like judo title
0: for it um
1: i don't think so i mean just i i refer to people that do jiu-jitsu as jiu-jitsu players but i don't know that there's a wrong a wrong answer there like
2: i said it's physical chess game
1: it it absolutely
0: is, but seeing it from Silas's perspective, even more so. Mm. I I definitely am just trying not to get submitted, like you know when it's coming and it's just too late. Or so trying to just keep your appendages in the you know the right place. For me, it's just always, you know they they he talks about there's always someone on the bottom Mm -hmm. and try as I, I might so far, I just always ends up on the bottom unless they're less experienced. And most of the people that I've been training with are far more experienced by than myself. And they might go and be on the bottom just to allow me to learn something from being on top. And I still end up getting humbled every time. The, the only thing I will say, like, I think everyone has their own thing that they go for. Like you were talking about, Corlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this very specific style and thing that he always, though, I mean, though he's well-rounded, r- I'm sure, but that he always goes for a certain type of submission. For myself, I think it's probably because I'm new, but I'm always looking for a choke. Where I could be doing something else, and I just don't know the names of half of them, let alone the way to obtain that position. And it's always very humbling speaking with somebody who trains far more frequently than you, specifically like Silas, because when you get done, he explains all the different things that you could have done. So, as a beginner, you said you do three, how many times a week? I was doing three to four times a week. So what about yourself?
1: There have been... Prior injury. Sure. There have been months out here in Japan where I've trained every single day. Um, not necessarily in a classroom style, but I've had different, different people that I'll meet up with and um, will train. Mm-hmm. So not always hard physical rolling but always positional sparring at a minimum um i don't always get to train that much obviously it depends on work schedule and then other people's availability to train like that but at a minimum three times a week is what i try to train and then up to every single day so when it comes to training
2: what do you all think is the best conditioning Aside from being on the mats and grappling, could it be swimming? Could it be just working on cardio running or weightlifting? I don't know if, because you're going to, like, again, all I have is um, my only knowledge of the sport is just talking to you guys and people at work. So Corlin, muscle, I want to throw you to the ground.
0: So what do you think is, the, what do you all think is the best conditioning? That's uh- not. As a, as a newbie, the the best conditioning for jujitsu or yoga even is jujitsu. I I don't even know how to the the rolling part. As much as I run and swim, yeah, there is no sort of exertion that is as much fun or as draining as actually getting out there rolling. I look forward to his response, but for me, it's when when you see the the clock, because sometimes out here, one of the instructors out here does three minutes. And I got to the point where I could do all of the three-minute rounds. And then I went to a class where they do five-minute rounds. It's, It's not the same. And before my injury, I was getting to... I mean, you have to set some sort of goal. Not being gassed out. Some sort of what? Goal. Goal? Or like that I'm doing better. I think conditioning is one of the things that I focused on. Being able to do a five minute round. Ten second break. Do another. Ten second break. Do another. I got up to five or six straight without having to sit down and like really like take my gee off. and <laughs> So. It was uh it's an experience, Silas?
1: I think it definitely depends on the person. So if you take somebody that's super out of shape, really, really overweight, they're probably going to answer that question with oh cardio, because that's what that's what defeated them when they walked on the mat. You take somebody who can't do a single push-up or a sit-up. And they're probably going to say, "Oh, strength would have been way better for me because mm-hmm. they, they don't have I the physical. See what cap- you're saying. They don't have the physical capability of even moving their own body, much less an opponent's body." Um, so I think it totally depends on the body style and who that person is. You might have somebody that plays a far more uh, movement-based game, in which case they're going to need higher level card of of cardio capability. Um, you may then have somebody else that plays a much more stifled game or or pressurized game, and strength might benefit them more. But neither of those things will ever compete with the the aptitude of skill set. The application of technique will always trump either of those things. Because you can slow down a fast opponent with the right techniques Mm. and you can, you can move around somebody's strengths with an efficiency level that they can't keep up with if you're better than them. Would yoga work? I think yoga
0: definitely affects the flexibility, but again, going to (laughs) jujitsu affects your flexibility. Like it's not, it's not questionable. Like being able to do things that you stretches wise. That for me, I was not flexible. I couldn't touch my toes when I started jujitsu, and I found that out very quickly. Just things that people are like, "Are are you tapping to that? Why? Well, my my I can't bend that way." And now, you know, being able to, I know it's, it's weird, but one of the moves, and I don't know what to, even to call it, but where you roll over your shoulders and neck, like if somebody was even over top of you and you can pure pure. do you know what that's called? But, but, you know, like a spider. Just like it, a shoulder, a shoulder roll. A shoulder where you roll backwards, roll. just a backwards roll. I've seen that they, they're like almost upside down. Oh, like the a panda roll, side to, side to side you're talking about. Being able to defend even on their neck like rolling in their feet around and to the point where now I'm able to like roll over backwards and have my toes touch the ground, which came from one of the brown belts that came to Mark's class. Like, no, you're not doing this and just pushing me over. I didn't know there was a problem. I just avoided it because it didn't feel good. Brown is above blue, purple. Brown is the the step before black belt okay and then black belts they have dons i guess like they they, they Degre- degrees, degrees. Mm-hmm. red red
2: i think one of you guys were talking about it earlier gordon no, it was ryan and you where it's like it takes it takes 30 years like there's some people in their 40s or 50s and until they reach
1: that level i think it was ryan and you of getting like a red belt yeah. You're talking about? Yeah, I think red belts you're supposed to have been a black belt for thirty years or something like that, thirty or forty yes. years. Um you get your coral belt before, which is just red and black. I I mean most people never even get to that level. Yeah. I
2: was about to say because aren't you in the beginning we were talking about age. So of course you're nimble, your your physical like peakness is at its best when you're younger in age. So you're getting more rank the the higher that you
0: get in age? If, I, if I may, but yeah. so the level that you're talking about is really beyond what most people are going to ever be trying to obtain. It's like what he was talking about that people do their whole lives where they're mm. training and then teaching. For me, I mean... Me personally, again, the experience of training is the thing that a lot of people are trying to attain. And then maybe the colors going up until black belt, which is an, an, a large amount of time and experience, but maybe it's yeah. just their knowledge of it all. And if what he's saying about 30 years as a black belt, there's yeah. people that are physically not going to be able to attain it.
1: Definitely. And it's, it has nothing to do with skill level at that point. No, you look, no, skill level is. Well, skill level up here. Evaluated. Okay. Up until black belt. When you get your black belt, you're then like a master of the sport. And I'm not saying you won't get better. You definitely will in your technique, but that is where the end of our competition range goes to. Once you reach black belt, you have you have reached the the pinnacle of our sport. When it comes down to competing, you'll never are I've never heard of a, a coral or a red belt competing. At that point, it is people recognizing your contribution to the sport. Like you've been around the sport, you've contributed to the sport for so long that they're saying, "Hey, here's here's the next level of." you know, your contributions to the sport are now recognized Mm -hmm. just because there's so few people who have ever even got there. But when you're talking about skill recognition and who competes in our sport, black belt is, is the top. Do you think we do
2: that with the Navy? I'm sorry. Like that's how I'm correlating it. Okay. Chief is like the pinnacle. Everyone wants to meet, meet it. And then like, all right, you did your time, you made chief, but then you make senior chief and you're like, all right your contribution to the Navy. Here you go. Here's a star. Here's a two-star. Or even when it comes to the wardroom, uh, making Admiral, you made it. But, all right, here's two
0: stars. Here's three stars. I would think more of, if we were to equate it to Navy, if anybody speaks Navy, Master Chief would be, if it's enlisted, Black Belt. And then... You agree? Being Force or Fleet or Command Uh, or uh, McFund would be more of that Mm. equation but again i don't have nearly the experience or the ability to talk as he does but and if you were less than you like that's why i'm trying to if you were going for even trying to get correct me if i'm wrong but like when you first start Of course, your goal is blue belt. So that would be trying to obtain something right to say that I've gone to the next level, at least for me, even though there's people who have been white belts for an extremely long amounts of time. Like, I like going for. Again, I don't know. So white, I know is the first
1: one. Next is gray blue blue. Okay. I think the reason why is because um, Ryan just got his blue belt. And if I, if I had to guess, I'd say you outweigh him by 20 or 25 pounds. I'm 190 flat. I don't know what he is, but maybe a little bit less height, than that then. Height, yeah. I um, thought he right? could He could walk onto a jujitsu match right now, yeah. lay down on his back, put his arms by his side, and let you start however you wanted. And you would tap out in less than two minutes. For sure. That's why when you start, you would want a blue belt, because that's the first people that you see who, aside from physical capability, can just totally demolish you in a grappling match. You might go against certain white belts that can do the same, that are getting close to a blue belt level, but most places that you train, they would not have gotten their blue belt until they can do that with a new student. Okay.
0: at this point like how you're speaking about it you're you're in it for the journey do you do you have a desire to obtain brown
1: or black belt i think the answer is yes but more not so much to prove to myself anymore that I can do it, but just because it'll eventually happen if I keep training, and that is just, you know, future proof that I kept training, if that makes sense. Um, I think if you, if you truly develop the skill sets to obtain a legitimate black belt, like, it's an incredible thing. But the moment that it's only about the belt and you quit worrying about the skill sets, which I see, then it, it starts to diminish the value of the belt. I mean, you can go buy a well. You're doing exactly. You can go buy a belt on, you know, on Amazon right now and you could wear it. And that's what I think. Certain coaches do a really good job of explaining. People will be like, oh, I really want to be a black belt. And I've literally heard a coach be like, I'll hand you mine right now. I'll wear your white belt. It's not going to change how our grappling match goes. Mm. Um, We could trade belts right now and you're still going to get demolished. What you should worry about is the skill set development to get the black belt.
2: Are there certain moves that they teach you? Like, all right, you are a purple belt now, so I'm going to teach you this one
1: no there is definitely there are definitely a core set of moves that have the highest rate of success meaning if you cannot escape from bottom position if you cannot escape from a pen from side control from mount from back mount learning other things Mm -hmm. is pretty much useless Because the first thing someone's going to do to you, if they're a better grappler, is pin you. And if you can't escape, that's as far as the grappling match goes. You're going to be pinned until you get submitted. So the first things that you should learn are escapes from pins, because that's where you're going to be. The second thing you should learn, because you're going to most likely escape to a guard position, is how to play from guard, um, which is bottom position where you get your legs between you and your opponent. Because that's where you're going to be. And it's not until you learn to sweep, take down, and control top position that you really need offensive moves from the top position. Because unless you're grappling someone that you could already beat, that's not where you're going to be in a grappling match. That's beautifully explained.
0: I mean, just learning, if you shrimp... It's it's a it's something you practice even in warm ups. And like my kids talked about it before I went shrimping and trying to just watching people even like their first day, like trying to understand putting your foot down, planting, and then sliding. And I mean that is it makes sense when you're explaining it why you just start there, because where are you going to be? On the bottom. How do you get out? Half the time is going to be. Being able to lift them up. And for shrimp out of it. And. It's. It's not like there's secret moves. There's illegal moves that you can't do. Until you're a certain. Belt color. But if you have those. Basics. Of just what he's saying. Starting the position that you're going to be in. Which is
1: underneath someone who's more experienced than you right i've I've had someone before ask me to teach them a a go-go plata which is in my opinion a fairly useless move for most people um and and two things one i'm not I'm not very skilled at the go-go plata because I don't, I don't respect it very much. I, I've, never, I've never run into it in competition where somebody was able to pull it off effectively. And you don't see it at the highest levels of our sport, most, for, for the most part. But also, the skill sets required to be able to pull off an effective go-go plata, the person who was asking me to teach them that didn't have any of those skill sets. So I was like, if you can do an efficient triangle and an efficient umoplata and armbar, then you might be able to learn a go-go plata that's effective. But until then, I could show you the best go-go plata that I'm capable of, and you'll never be able to get to that position. It'll never happen. Like, you have to develop the skill sets to be able to get to where you need to be in a grappling match, you have to develop the pathways to get to the moves that you want to implement. It's so deep. I
2: find that with like soccer, like everyone wants to do. When you were telling, um, explaining it, everyone wants to do like a, a roundhouse, not a roundhouse, excuse me, um, like a curveball or something. But if you can't even, if you don't even know where to place the ball on your, your boot. What we call it? But like you're inside the foot, outside the foot, or whatever. Then how can you even score a goal if you don't even know how to kick? Basically, that's how. I I look at it for what you just said, just just like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, very similar. Yeah. Um, I think I always look at it from a swimming perspective. Um. Mm-hmm the sport as a whole or moves like what are you talking about just learning to grapple okay is is to me very similar to learning to swim you watch somebody who who doesn't know how to swim at all and you watch them walk into the deep end of a pool mm. and watch the amount of energy that they expend attempting not to drown and then watch someone who's extremely good at swimming or at least competent let's say competent at swimming because you don't have to be overly fast, but they'll walk into the pool, and their hand will be the only thing moving. And they're breathing just fine, and the guy that is expending huge amounts of energy fighting for his life, because he has no idea how to swim, and he's Mm -hmm. now panicking, and he's yanking just as much water in an upwards direction as, as he's pushing down. So he's dragging himself under, at the same time he's pulling himself back to the top. And you watch those two people One of them is achieving the goal that they're both after and is barely moving. The other one is expending all of their energy and not even achieving the goal. And it's exactly what happens to people in a grappling match. They walk in, and if you don't know what you're doing, most of your energy is expended doing things that are not even helping you.
0: And just to continue on swimming now, Once that person learns how to swim, as he's saying, without having to kick and expend that energy, then start going into the motion of swimming. And if you even freestyle, being able to breathe without, you'll see people pull their head completely out of the water and breathe and then go back into what they were doing versus that as they're stroking, being able to just get that pocket where they're able to right. air and continue utilizing it's all cool. opportunities is like, a great
1: analogy yeah and i certainly didn't come up with that that's <laughs> that's a well it's a well used analogy um but one that it, it fits i believe mm.
0: man what's is there anything new in your world? I, I, we've been going for for quite a bit on on jujitsu. I'm not sure if it's coming to an end or is there anything new going on with you?
2: Uh besides being in a new shop, uh welcoming my second-born son into the world. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank, thank you. That is awesome. <laughs> um, aside from that, no, just. You think you know parenting? I don't want to talk about parenting. But it's you think an topic, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's a whole new episode. But uh, you think you know parenting. I just find it uh, interesting, and I, I love the fact that I can. I thought I knew it. You see your firstborn, and you're like, oh, he likes this, he likes that. Boys are like this way. But you have the other one who's completely different, just quiet, this, whatever. It's like, all right, got to tackle this this way now or he may not be into the same uh or have the same interests but that's uh one thing that i'm um dealing with right now you are a quiet baby now you're a loud baby you used to take the bottle now you, this one doesn't take the bottle i don't know just overcoming and adapting like jujitsu yeah i'm doing that with my parenting right now other than that but
0: no nah, not much taking parenting and jujitsu just into kind of the same world for a moment, having done both. <laughs> mm, the way that Silas has described it, it it really just applies in everything in life. First off, no matter where you go, especially in military service, but then just being out in the, the real world and being around people, uh, the thing that you notice in any situation coming into contact with people is is their confidence. You can see someone who walks into a room and they're confident. They exude confidence. They own the room. Yeah. And parenting is another journey where if you're new at it, It's Mm -hmm. terrifying, right? Same as going into, after talking with him about jujitsu, going and getting on the mat with him for the first time. It's probably going to be rather scary. Yeah. But parenting is just, it's all about making mistakes and recognizing your mistakes and affecting what is and isn't, what I call permanent damage. But, you know, things that will show their heads years and years down the road. And, you know, having the confidence that you're doing your best and being able to learn from your mistakes is where I was going with this. Uh, same with jujitsu. You know, you have to be able to, if you're not learning from your mistakes, you're not going to get better. And a, another thing from Silas that really, I still have it in my phone. It's in my notes in my quote section, that you have to punish bad decisions <laughs> it it applies in in everything that you're doing in life. Whether it's towards yourself or being a parent. You know, there is such a thing as making a bad decision. And the way I describe it to my kids is, you know, I don't know if it's prideful or confidence or explaining uh, their position in the world, right? Like, they don't want to fail or get something wrong, whether it be a test or a goal or a rugby match or a jujitsu match, they, as do we all just want it, you just want it to be perfect, right? Like you want to be successful. But when they're in trouble, when they've missed that mark, how do we learn is the question That I ask all of my kids all the time in any of those situations, even when they're crying, you know, it's like, how do we learn? And it's like, by making mistakes. If things work out all the time, every time, you're not, you're really not learning anything. You already have whatever that is, but the only way to learn is by making the mistakes. Right. And it again comes back to how he, Put it with jujitsu and applying it to everything in his life. It's just, it's a really eye-opening thing. Again, I, I do encourage you to just come and down with my I know, all I love because I, nowhere near at his level. I have just, you just adopt so much, whether it be the mindset mm-hmm. or having something that you and whoever else is doing it can relate to when you describe how you want to go through a situation. Yeah, And I know there's no cameras on, on this episode, but, you know, when when Silas does walk into a room, he just kind of has that aura, or demanding the room, if, if you know what I mean, if you know him as a person, and just, I do see how all that equates. And then I also see his signature statement of you don't have what it takes. <laughs> or <Four. laughs> one thing that I've been noticing is that walking in,
2: something happens like, shit,
0: mate,
2: just owning a room with that. And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> Who's saying that these days? But yeah, I understand. But um, one thing I wanted to ask, ask both of you for your opinions. This is from Socrates, all right? Okay. No man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable what are your thoughts on that? Come on, even Andrew
0: Tate is talking about things like that right now. It's extremely deep, and I see you about to say something, but it applies, I think, if it applied then, the level at which it applies now is in this day and age. Because
2: is... back then, that, like, the books that I read, I, I'm a big history buff, but the books that I read, like, when it came to day in, day in and day out, um, regular tasks it required a physical training but you don't see that as much these days in modern times but back then it was if you were a uh mason when it comes to like bricklaying or something or you build ships when it was the time of like um out of what is made out of lumber or whatever the case is most of your um jobs back then required a physical labor um and Defending yourself, because there it was more problematic. But nowadays, anything can be done on a screen where or push of a button that it's a lost trade, if you will. But back to Socrates, what do y'all think about it?
1: I think the physical competency level for survival has greatly gone down. You so know, the right... I believe somebody can survive quite easily now with, without being physically capable. Whether or not they will live a fulfilled life is different. But I think when I just hear that, I believe anybody has the right to do whatever they want. Right, and how they infringe yeah. upon the rights of another human being. Um, so sure, live your life that way if you choose to. I don't believe it will, it will make you happy or fulfilled. It was like the era set so- it in. But, because I believe the, the physical competency level of survival would have been much mm-hmm. higher certainly to be able to contribute to society. Um, and that's still partially true. You, you tend to draw far more from society if you're extremely unhealthy than you do if you're healthy. So the burden that you place on other people raises the more unhealthy decisions that you make. So I guess it's it's a viewpoint it's a standard of viewpoint. I would say people do have the right to be fairly unhealthy at this point if they want to be. They can survive, they can live and then they can die. I don't believe it will make them happy. I I believe that they will be much more fulfilled human beings if they find an area that they're passionate about and master that craft at least for a portion of their life. Right. I mean, you'll hear people in their 50s talking about when they were in high school playing football. There's a reason for that because mm-hmm. they they love they love the idea of that version of themselves, but they've at least seen that version. Man. How do you follow that up?
0: <laughs> you can't. You should you'll also live far longer. Healthier. Just by... Mentally, physically.
2: Yeah.
0: On that note, I just really want to say thank you for for coming out and being a part of this today. I know it almost didn't happen.
1: But, Definitely, but, uh, thank you for having us.
0: Uh, of course, I'm I'm super excited to to have you back on. If you ever want to, Fred, thanks for coming back, and Silas, I'd love to hear you talk about too.
1: <laughs> anytime you feel like it by now. Definitely. Thank you for having us. And, uh, it was good coming on.